The Blaze Radio Network. On demand. Roger, uh, is it Roger? It's Rogers. it's Rogers. Rogers, okay, that yeah. was throwing me off there a little You're bit. You're the first person to ever call me Roger. Really? No. Okay. I was like, it's like, really? I yeah. feel like that's going to be pretty common. Yeah. Roger Healy, how are you, sir? I'm great. How are you? Doing well. You are a realtor? I am. I'm a real estate guy. Real estate guy uh, here in the Dallas region. And uh, we've been seeing a lot of stuff in the uh, market about millennials in the past not having been home purchasers. They didn't buy homes, but now they're starting to pick up. Figure this is a good time to uh, get an update and find out what's going on in the industry. Yeah, it's been great. I mean, especially in, in DFW, like we were talking about before we went on, it's been it's been kind of crazy, especially the last three or four years. I feel like people just discovered Dallas and especially millennials. People have started moving here really for no reason, but when they get to Dallas, they don't leave. So it's not a, nom- <laughs> a nomadic city like a New York right. or Nashville or something. But yeah, millennials are starting to enter the marketplace, and traditionally they've been renting and putting all their money into you know a nice property with granite. But now they're starting to actually you know put roots down like in a city like Dallas, and it's it's really changing the game for us and giving us more market stability. Well, and the housing touches everything else; it touches virtually every industry. I mean, specifically, you're talking about you know putting people in homes in real estate, then uh, all of the support stuff, uh, the home builders and the right. suppliers to all of those. But then even within the community, all of those other businesses and where you work. So if you see more millennials buying homes, that should be pretty good for the uh, for the indi- or for the economy, right? Yeah, and it's it's really leading to, to gentrification, which is obviously just a, a fancy term for growth. And what we're seeing now with millennials is they're going to neighborhoods that they traditionally wouldn't have gone to, right? And real estate's always been a rule um, of location, but now it's really more affordability. So through that, these cities that are urban core cities are having kind of like a uh, outside bullseye effect. And we're seeing these places pop up out of, no- out of nowhere and, and developers are answering with anything from a school to retail developments to you know additional high rises and, and rentals. Interesting. So you're seeing... Um, kind of a reverse of what it's been for years, right. but back to what it originally was. So if you had a city, and we know most areas develop with kind of a hub system. You got a, a core city like a Dallas or yeah. Pittsburgh or whatever, and then you see the communities build out from it. So if they said, okay, I'm going to live a little further out. It's cheaper. I'll buy land. We got suburbs. Then the suburbs say, hey, we'll put in a school and we'll put in a yeah. Kroger or whatever. But over the years, as we've uh, revitalized and whatever, you haven't seen that. Now you're kind of back to it. Yeah, it, it, it's it's kind of... It's kind of cool to, to see it just kind of shift. I mean, obviously, people still want to be in the best location possible, but with prices increasing, interest rates are still relatively low. The options are not the way that they were a few years ago. So they are moving in places. And, and Dallas, like a commute is 15 minutes, right? Uh, but now a commute might be 20 or 25 minutes and not complaining as much. And that's just changing the infrastructure of our city you know, every single day. But this is happening across the country in places like Nashville, like Oklahoma City, yeah. places that you wouldn't really – put in the same category as Chicago, New York, LA, Miami, but because of the growth factor and with millennials playing a large part, it's changing the game. Gentrification, um, although it gets a bad name at times, some people, you know, well, you're forcing other people out or whatever. It still is growth. It's redeveloping older areas, basically, right? And you're often there they're made better, right? I mean, the buildings get nicer. And- yeah, I mean, maybe not just older areas, but a lot of rural areas too. You know, some of the fast- That's right, I about that. yeah, some of the fastest growing cities in the country are in DFW, and it's places that literally I hadn't heard of until a couple of years ago. So it, it is just again, it's a it's a pricing factor, and um, you know, if it's close enough to a highway or tollway, people tend to gravitate there if they can afford it. 
I, I love to see uh, redevelopment in, in neighborhoods that were older because I like the yeah. older buildings. I like I like property and buildings anyway. So especially when people get real clever yeah. and uh, did with their design and stuff. I yeah. love that. No, it's it's cool and like people people love like the loft conversion. Like New York City has obviously always been kind of a, a real estate case study and what they've done in a place like the Meatpacking District. You know, oh yeah, it, it's really cool. And you have cities like Atlanta. My girlfriend has a store um, called Ona, and it's in this little development in Buckhead that you never would have gone to, you know, 15 years ago. And now it's just, it's just growing and people tend to go and follow high end retail, high end rentals. And through that, you have millennials wanting to purchase condos, townhomes and houses in and around there. So what do you think the future trends are now? So you got the millennials that are finally, it looks like starting to settle down or buying homes. They're maybe not as afraid as they used to. Where do you think this is going in the next few years? I still think it's going to be affordability. And I think that as interest rates start to creep up just a little bit, like a quarter of a point, an eighth of a point, that's going to make a pretty big effect on, especially millennials, because they might be buying their first place. And you know what you can get now for 300000 with 4% interest rate a year from now might be four and a quarter. And that's going to be a pretty big adjustment. So I do think affordability is going to trump location and really the preferences of trends. Um, but with that said, you know, the market does adjust seasonally. So if people are looking to buy like millennials, this like the next three months is probably the best time of year to make a purchase, hmm. but they're probably in a lease, right? So most of them lease from March until May, Year after year, so it's it's kind of poses a, a little bit of a problem, but yeah, I mean, I think price is going to be our number one factor. That makes sense too. So those mid range price point houses, well, and even the upper ones too, but definitely those mid range ones <laughs> are maybe a little trickier to sell. Um, the interest rates go up a little bit just yeah. because you're, you know, if you like you said, if you used to be able to afford three hundred thousand, the interest rates go up. Maybe you can only afford two eighty or. Yeah. Or something. So like that, I kind I kind of call it the purgatory price point. It's stuff in DFW, like an urban core between probably four seventy five and six fifty. It's just kind of an interesting price point. It's not a first time buyer. It's not a first time luxury buyer. It's really a a first time second home seller. Uh, and, and that stuff always does take a little bit of a dip if the market softens. But there's always going to be a demand for people wanting to purchase a home. Um, yeah. So and you got you sell or work with people around the country. You have different right. markets. Is that right? right? Mm-hmm. What what are some of the, like the um, hotter markets around? I mean, I know the South has been booming for years. Yeah, um, pretty much everything other than California. Okay. Uh, yeah, California. I mean, and that's man, that's a shame. Yeah, but the Cal- California market, like the I call it Uber luxury market. That's kind of always safe, right? Because there's always tech money. There's always gotcha. people that want to be by the beach. But their entry level, so say sub seven hundred thousand, is softened you know, pretty, pretty massively, but yeah, people love Texas. People love Florida. Uh, my, my thought has always been if you're close to retirement community or a college town, you're safe. Okay. Because if you can't sell your property, you can rent it out. And oh, that's a great way to look at it. And yeah, about that. And yeah. yeah, we're talking about Ohio. Ohio, whether it's like Kent State, which is a high rental market, mm-hmm. or whether it's Ohio State, you have such a high density of students that need a place to live, and the dorms can only house so many people. So, you know, that, that's always been a safe bet in my mind as far as real estate investment is concerned. Awesome. Are you getting ready to buy? So, yeah. if someone, to... let's say, is ready to oh, buy my. around this area because okay. yeah. they're about it. to get okay. married, you know, in a mm. couple of months, what would be a good area to start looking into? It, it, so, yeah, I mean, it just goes back to what I was saying. And we'll have this conversation when we're off air, but it's, it's based on what your, your price point is. And I think it used to be, you know, I want to be here show me what you got. But now it's more, here's what I've budgeted for what's available. Right. And, and the sense of urgency really comes into play with this too. But yeah, I mean, any, in my opinion, anywhere in DFW right now is a, is a great investment. 
but again, there's probably some neighborhoods that you hadn't that I haven't heard of where there's stuff that's coming up. If you want nice and new, you might have to be five or six miles, you know, further out. But mm. if you want the location, you want to be able to walk to stuff. You probably aren't going to have you know ten foot ceilings and, and granite everywhere. But you know that's something that people enjoy doing thanks to TV shows and whatnot. You know, they're putting sweat equity in and it's increasing the value of their home. So what are millennials looking for when it comes to a house? Yeah. I uh, got I gotta believe the countertops. That's gotta be yeah, a thing okay. still. Yeah, and, 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 I, and I will tell you and if, and if millennials are listening or watching, good morning and sorry we woke you up. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I you know you could say that same thing if it was one yeah, in true. the afternoon. Yeah. Yeah. Gray could say that. Yeah, yeah no, thank you. Glad got, you're up. We've got some that work for me and I post this morning in our Facebook group of like, Hey guys, good morning and I could just tell that you know No one's up yet. So I got like th- three likes, hi friend. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, you know, they do want I, I for the most part millennials don't want to do work after the fact because obviously they're working they're climbing just like i am i'm kind of on the other side of the millennial game but they don't want to do a lot of work as i don't either i don't want to either but you kind of have to pick and choose so right now the trends in real estate in general it's open floor plan it's light bright earth tones but when we show people properties you know whether i show it or people from my company they might see something that's an orange couch or a red wall and be like hey listen you can change the fabric you can paint the wall and that's just kind of our thing. It's it's a mindset game. It's changing their you know mindset, keeping them agile, and let them know that hey, you can make little changes for not that much money, but it might set you back one or two weeks. But but a lot of people can't envision that. They really some things they they will excuse away when you're showing houses, right. like big gaping flaws that are expensive or really difficult because yeah. they're really sold on something else. But honestly, they will see a purple wall and just go, well, that, that kitchen that, is purple. That, I can't. I can't and be it's there. Like, it's not the cabinet. It's just the wall you're painting. It's, it's like, you know, 20 bucks. Yeah. Sherwin-Williams, what do you? But they can't, right? That's that's. Yeah, we deal with it every day. And, and, and again, like it's the stuff that the, the more experienced agents in, in our industry and the more successful people are the ones that have an answer for it. And the way that we teach our office is to kind of deflect. You walk in, you're like, oh, I don't like the color of this door. It's blue. But like, hey, we can paint it. How much is it going to cost? 80 bucks, right? I don't like these this carpet. Can I change it to other carpet? Or, yeah, it's like you have an answer for stuff, but that does make it pretty difficult because when someone sees something online, they see the pictures and they immediately say yes or no, right? But what they don't know is as long as it's not changing walls and, you know, raising the roof, it, it it's can be workable. done. Yeah, it's, and it's, it's simple. And even if they want to change walls and work the roof, we got people that can do it, but... It's just a matter of what you can spend and whatever. Yeah, okay. and, and buying a home, I, I hate to tell you this, but it's not that much fun and it's not that convenient. And especially in a hot market, if you're in a top 25 market, whether it's El Paso or Chicago, there's competition, period. So you don't walk in and get to spend 30 minutes there. You're waiting for someone else to come in and, you know, that's at the front door waiting for you to leave and somebody's probably putting an offer on it in the next two hours. So... That gives people a pressuring feeling where you can go and worry about the other stuff later on down the road. Yeah, it's funny. I've never been in those, and I've purchased you know half a dozen homes or whatever. Yeah. But I've never been in one of those where it's like you got to make that offer now mm-hmm. because it's so hot. Over that, mm-hmm. that would I don't even know how to handle that. That would be, <laughs> that would be difficult. Yeah, it, it doesn't really give people that like that warm fuzzy feeling where like why'd you buy your house? Well, because we had to. Right. Yeah, <laughs> the, the meter was running. We had yeah. to this we, should, we had to put it right in right now. We don't even like it, but are you interested in buying? <laughs> <this for sale>? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> we got a list of the people who are looking before. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's got to be tricky. It's frustrating, too, because people have, um, when you're selling a home, there's there's this emotional attachment. Right. That, you know, your kids took their first steps there and all of this stuff. And, you know, you, you assume 
the the value of the home is more than it is. Everyone expects their home is worth more than it is. Yeah. It's crazy how that that is. Even yeah. even the more reasonable people that were like, well, I looked online; it's worth four hundred thousand. No, yeah. I looked; it's worth fifty eight. Yeah, right. I mean, it's dollars. Bad, yeah, right? yeah, fifty eight dollars, not yeah. thousand. The disparity is incredible. How they don't understand that with so many tools available. Yeah, you know, and it's that's our job is to educate and. It's, it's difficult because we can't, if you want to go purchase a home, if you want to sell property, commercial, residential, farm, ranch, it doesn't matter, a lake house, we can't tell you what to offer. We can't tell you what to list it for. We can, you know, show up, you know, can lead a horse to water, but we can't take his face and just like slam right. it down there and be like, right. Right. drink. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we, we show them the numbers they don't have access to, but that is still something we struggle with is people are self-taught realtors that are not realtors. But, you know, the, the, the saying goes, it's only worth what someone's willing to pay. And when we show you comparables, it's I compare it to dating, like an active property, someone that's on the market, which is a single person, but something that's sold, they're married and they're happy. That's your comp, right? right? And that's right. how an appraiser is going to look at it too. So yeah, it is tough. And we do kind of not fight, but we compete with the Zillows of the world. And mm-hmm. if someone's like, this house sold for this, I'm like, yeah, it's twice as big on a bigger piece of land and it's in a good school district. <laughs> right. But yeah, let's list it for a million bucks. Yeah. So yeah, that, that is part of the game and part of the struggle, but, um, the strong survive. And, you know, I was, I, when I sold for a real estate for a while in Ohio and, um, I go to this couple and they were retiring and I had to tell them that your home is not worth n- nowhere near what they wanted. Yeah. And they were counting on some of this to retire, retire or on, keep their retirement yeah. going. And they, I'm going loose numbers here. It was like almost 400000 what they thought it was worth. And, and they had all these justifications. Why even? Yeah. And I did all the comps for them. And I'm like, honestly, it's worth maybe half that. Yeah. And, I, and I'm wah, telling them, wah, right. Wah. And then I'm the bad guy. And, yeah. I, and they're like, defensive. Like, well, it's, and I was like, here it all is. And I'm not telling them. And I even told them, I go, talk to some other agents. Yeah. I go, seriously, I'm, I'm. Just talk to everybody. Do your research. If you need my help, I'll help you out or whatever. But I'm like, because I can't, you it's know. A, it's a waste of your time and right, your money. Right. Just here it is. Go ahead. And it sucks, too, because they had been planning this. They're thinking, great, we'll pocket 200. We'll be able to put it here. No, it's not going to happen yeah. for you. So that part's frustrating. On the flip side, there were some younger people that got to buy that house <laughs> much cheaper. So now it's difficult. Deal. That was the one thing I didn't like. I liked really helping people find the homes in that. But managing their expectations in that is pretty difficult. Yeah, that was not easy. The so. only thing harder than managing expectations of purchasers is managing realtors. Ah, and that's what I get to do. There now. you go. So, yeah. So what's your company and how can people find you? Yeah, you guys can find us on the internet. Uh, my my real estate company in DFW is called Rogers Healing Associates. And then for those of you guys tuning in and watching uh, nationwide and global, we have a relocation company called Healy Global Relocation where we can help people buy, sell, lease, awesome. move anywhere in the world. That's perfect. So what yeah. we'll do is we'll tweet out a link and post it on social media so Thank you. can find you. But I really appreciate the information. That yeah. was awesome. Yeah, Thank you so great. much, yeah. Thank you, guys. Talk to you soon. Hey there, it's Doc Thompson. I want to tell you about another show that I think you're going to like. It's called The News and Why It Matters. It's a group of us talking about news stories that we think are important and why those stories matter to you. The News and Why It Matters. Look for it wherever you download your favorite podcast. Knowledge is power. Tweet at us with the hashtag what I learned today. This is the Morning Blaze with Doc Thompson on the Blaze Radio Network.